Please be seated. Imagine with me for a minute. He's dead, tried and mocked and tortured and crucified. They had followed him for years, hoping that there might be a different outcome, promised that there would be a different outcome, but there wasn't one. He's dead. And the dreams that they had for a better future have died with him. They are back to life as they knew it before him, but now it seems a bit darker, more grim, perhaps, because they had felt so close to something so real, and now it was gone. I picture in my mind the disciples sitting around cramped in a tiny little room, dejected, fussing and snapping at each other, brushing off any kind words, steeling themselves against any attempts at comfort, gruff, angry people, already returning to old ways of being in the world, disappointed, returning to attitudes they posed before, before, Some among them claimed to have seen him, but it didn't really make sense. Many more of them had seen him die, and everyone knew, everyone with any sense, knew that the dead didn't come back. And then, without warning, he is there, in the room. Peace be with you. And why are you frightened? Because, of course, they were frightened, terrified, petrified. Why are they frightened? Why wouldn't they be? In addition to the chaos outside the door, the natural order of things has been upturned and is standing right in front of them. This is not the only time in our resurrection appearances that Jesus addresses the disciples' fear. Three out of our four Gospels report that Jesus says, Do not be afraid. Among his first phrases to his terrified followers. In fact, those words, do not be afraid, are spoken more than 15 times in our four Gospels. In all kinds of situations, from the angel Gabriel speaking it to Mary, and then later to the shepherds, and the Sermon on the Mount at the Transfiguration, apparently there was a lot of fear happening all around Jesus. Bringing it forward to our time today, and perhaps changing the subject just a little bit, post-apocalyptic literature while no means a recent phenomenon, has taken on new life recently. I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead myself. But the trend isn't just about zombies. Plagues, war, nuclear accidents, government, microtechnology. We have created for ourselves an entire cultural phenomenon of books and shows and movies based on the what-ifs based on 
our worst fears. And while on one hand, the whole point of these shows is usually something about the triumph of the human spirit, or we are a strong species and surely we can survive, on the other hand, this is a whole cultural industry reminding us that we have a lot of reasons to be fearful and to be anxious. From the very real to the very ridiculous, these books and these shows capitalize on those things that keep us up at night. Can I take care of myself? Can I take care of my family? Am I strong enough or smart enough or good enough to make it in the world? And these storylines answer our anxious questions with a smirking, maybe. And then they up the ante with another fear-filled scenario, one that you hadn't even thought of yet. The truth is there is enough in the world to be afraid of, to be anxious about, without the fictional assistance of the zombies. The questions are real. We are surrounded even without the fiction by hard choices and sad situations. Faith is there sometimes, but it can get covered over by the louder voices of responsibility and financial gain and self-preservation. And though they lived 2,000 years ago, the disciples were living in the midst of some very, very real fear themselves. Even before he showed up in that locked room bidding them peace, Jesus' exit from the world caused ripples of disruption far and wide. The disciples were in hiding, licking their wounds, regrouping, trying to decide how to deal with the chaos that the trial on the crucifixion had caused. They had reasons to be afraid. Until that moment he came into the room, his question, why are you afraid? I believe does not so much apply to that moment's shock, that startled. It applies, it, the quest, Jesus' question is larger than that. It's bigger than any momentary scare or any minute of confusion. Because while there are many good reasons to be afraid before Jesus shows them his hands and his side in that room, once he arrives, once the resurrection had occurred, there are no more excuses. And now, here we are. We are resurrection people. We are people of life and of life eternal. We are Easter people, not Good Friday people, not locked in a room in our own despair people. We are people changed. And in that change, fear has been ushered out the door. Our hope, our gospel hope is so large there is no longer room for fear. God's grace is so massive there is no longer any place for our anxiety. If we learned to trust the gospel, to live without fear, we would find over time that 
conversations about racial profiling and about institutionalized racism and about who's allowed to marry whom would fade slowly into nothingness. Because human rights are not frightening to people who believe in life eternal. We would have to learn the difficult task of living as if we don't fear aging, as if we do not fear sickness, as if we're not afraid of dying. We could live as if we do not care how others judge us. If we learn to live fully and without fear, we'd have to live as if we knew we were powerful beyond measure, emboldened by the love of God. We might be momentarily nervous because change, for a minute, is frightening. Because admitting that we are powerful is terrifying. And because understanding that both life and love are boundless is earth-shattering. Scientists that study the human body have come to understand that physical reactions to great excitement and great fear are nearly identical. That gut-wrenching, shaking hands, knocking knees were signals to the disciples that the best and most frightening thing had really happened. He was alive. We cannot ourselves let the gut knots and the knocking knees stop, slow down, even stall us out. We must instead let our excitement that has come from fear drive us into a world that desperately needs good news like that we have to proclaim. He is risen God has won. Death is no longer. You are witnesses to these things, our gospel tells us. With death conquered and powerless, we have no excuse for not living up to everything, everything we were created to be. And that is what is in Jesus' question. Why are you afraid? What will your answer be? Amen.